0: Icons. Merriam-Webster has four definitions for the word, each one different and typically having four separate meanings. The first is a person or thing widely admired, especially for having great influence or significance. Next is simply an emblem or symbol. Third is a sign, such as a word or graphic symbol, whose form suggests its meaning. And finally, a representation of sacred events or something even religious. Each definition of icon is seemingly different, yet remarkably alike. Can someone or something be all of those? Porsche is a company that has produced its fair share of iconic cars. The 911 is recognizable as instantly Porsche and is a global icon of automotive greatness. But can there be an icon among the icon, or even many? Somehow, Porsche has managed to continually do just that. One such car that evokes an almost religious reverence is the 911 that changed the face of all 911s, the completely irreverent Porsche 930. Welcome to Porsche, never substituted. I'm your host, Will Veach, and today we will look at the car that made us fall in love with Porsche as a brand. The 930 was the Porsche poster that hung on the walls of teenagers throughout the 1980s and in fact is still hanging on the wall of my office today when I haven't been a teenager in many, many years. So it is fitting to talk about the icon that started it all for a lot of us. So what makes the 930 so special? The misnamed whale tail or tea tray spoiler? Yes. Wider fenders, of course. But the thing that really stands out is not necessarily the looks but what is hidden under the huge rear spoiler? The turbocharged engine. Icon definition one, a person or thing widely admired, especially for having great influence or significance. The 930 is the car that started it all for turbochargers and Porsches, kinda. You see, turbo was not new to Porsche before the 930 came to be, but it was new for a production model car. The folks at Weissach had been putting turbos in cars for a few years prior to strapping one to this particular Model 911. Most notably was the twin turbos of the 917 that dominated Can-Am and the 24 Hours of Le Mans in the early part of the 1970s. Porsche was headed by Ernst Fuhrmann, who took the reins in 1972. Furman was a designer for Porsche prior to becoming the boss and was noted for being the designer of the Type 547 that ultimately became the famous Carrera engine. He was also a massive proponent of racing. He said, quote, It belongs to us, this racing business. We are often asked why we spend so much time on it. From advertising or motivation or engineering know-how, there is no single aspect that accounts for it. Racing also had the ability to drive talent. Furman continued by saying that, It seems to me that racing is particularly well-suited to motivate young engineers. The reason? Well, you know within the course of a year whether your design worked. The significance of the racing program on the 911 was profound. The Can-Am 917 required very little change in the massive 12-cylinder engine, and the output was astounding. 1,100 horsepower, but that could be cranked up to nearly 1,600 horsepower. 0 to 60 in 2.1 seconds, 0 to 100 in 3.9, and 0 to 200 in an astronomical 13.4 seconds. All of this in 1973. As a side note, that car was so dominant that Can-Am changed the rules that effectively ushered in the end of the Can-Am series. Seeing that you could get that kind of power increase, as Furman put it with no problem supercharging a healthy engine, a decision was made to turbocharge a Porsche. Turbos were starting to heat up in Germany with the likes of the turbocharged 1971 BMW 2002, and Porsche would not back down to this perceived threat. The Porsche chief asked his team to put its turbo engineering on one of their cars, and the engineers promptly said, we've tried that already. And they had. Twice. One engine example being in a 1969 911, that poked up through the back deck lid, and the second time was in 1970 on a 914 that couldn't handle the heat of the turbocharger. Management at the time said it was impossible and did not pursue it. Good thing Furman ran the show, as he approved the project and in the fall of 1972, a 2.7 liter 911 was ready for road test. The tests were okay, but the car had a couple of flaws. Lack of space and serious turbo lag, In fact, the lag didn't improve much, as Car and Driver has said that it has turbo lag as long as a coffee break. Work would continue, and in September of 1973, a non-working silver mock-up of the 911 Turbo made its appearance at the Frankfurt and Paris Auto shows. Porsche tantalized buyers with boasts of 260 horsepower and a top speed of over 160 miles an hour. Of course, this potential version of the Turbo was not legal for road driving but dedicated buyers wanted the gorgeous new turbo for themselves. At about this same time, FIA announced new rules for the Manufacturers' Championship that stated production cars had to be used starting in 1976. This gave Porsche some time to test the Turbo 911s and perfect some of the flaws from the earlier tests. After much success on the track and overcoming incredible odds, not the least of which was a global oil shortage, The 930 Turbo was unveiled at the Paris Salon in October of 1974. Icon Definition 2 An emblem or symbol At the release of the 930, the public was stunned by what it could achieve. Car and driver said at the time that it was a panzer among Porsches, a street racer that will guarantee you a place at the top of the pecking order in a way that not even a Ferrari or Lamborghini can the new 930 was quickly becoming the emblem and symbol that would be instantly identifiable as a Porsche from that point on, not only in terms of looks, but also performance and prestige. I decided to take a quick look through classified ads that had Porsche 930s listed for sale, and the superlatives were abundant. Things like, Porsche didn't invent the turbocharged production car. They were the first to master it. Is this not a glorious beast of a car? The Porsche name evokes the brand's long heritage of racing and performance, and that history is on full display with this sporty 930 Turbo. If that is not an apt description of an emblem or symbol, I don't know what is. We proudly offer this classic Widowmaker. Now, interestingly enough, the 930 got that particular nickname because of the sheer power that sent many of the inexperienced drivers off the road. Road Test Magazine had this to say about it. The real basic problem with this car is that it is unforgiving of mistakes, requires a skilled driver with a proper experience and attitude. You can get yourself in big trouble in a big hurry with this thing. From 1975 through 1989, differing variations of the 930 were released to the general public. But, as a symbol, it has remained timeless. Icon Definition 3, a sign whose form suggests its meaning. What meaning can one derive from the form of the 930? The form of the car certainly suggests that it is powerful, fast, luxurious, simply a Porsche. From 1975 through 1977, the car sported a three liter, 260 horsepower engine, but was up to a 3.3 liter, 300 horsepower motor for the duration of its run at the top of the Porsche line. The three liter could do zero to 60 in 4.9 seconds and had a top speed of 156 miles per hour. The 3.3 liter could provide power for its zero 60 times in the mid four seconds with a top speed of 165. These cars were also four speed and quite demanding to drive. The wheelbase was short, oversteer was a problem, and there is no question about the famous turbo lag. But the 3.3 liter in the United States wouldn't last. Changing emission standards caused Porsche to stop shipping cars to America, and after December 31, 1979, no new 930s would enter the U.S., legally. Some 1,000 cars were purchased and brought into the United States through the so-called gray market, and as such, the $44,000 cars were selling for $80,000 or more. That came to an end when, in 1985, Porsche reintroduced the 930 back into America with the 1986 930 model. Beside the coupe version, the 930 also released a slant nose version dubbed the 930S in 1986, and also offered targa and cabriolet versions for the model years of 1987 through 1989. There were also a few special versions of the 930 built, including the 930 LE, which was essentially a slant nose without the slant nose. Only 50 examples of that car exist. There was also the one-off 935 that was produced with TAG that was a street version of the race car. The Porsche 930 consistently makes lists for being one of the best sports cars of the 1970s and 80s and was the genesis of the 911 turbos that we enjoy now. Supercars.net had this to say about the flagship. Other than the notorious handling characteristics and the turbo lag, the 930 is an epic display of automotive pornography. The whale tail, the wide wheel arches, the noise it makes, nearly everything else about the 930 turbo makes this Porsche 911 breed great. Whenever you see a new turbo model from Porsche being released, you also see comparisons to the original 930 from Car and Driver, the folks at Goodwood, and the likes of famous Porsche files everywhere. What makes the car so special? It could be that people look at the 930 as the dream Porsche that they remember from their youth. In Porsche circles, the cars are owned by the likes of Hollywood precision driver Lara, who goes by That Porsche Girl, and she and her tens of thousands of fans follow her exploits with her 1982 930. Or Magnus Walker, the urban outlaw, with his four Porsche 930s. Jerry Seinfeld and Gary Shandling raced around town in a 1979 930 in Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Jay Leno showcased a 930 in Jay Leno's garage. Movies from the 80s and 90s constantly show this variation of the 911. And the list goes on and on. Why? Because the car is simply iconic. The 930 finally gave way to the 964 and ultimately the 964 Turbo in 1991. But not before having its impact felt not only within Porsche, but also within the automotive world in general. The Porsche 930 simply set the standard for what a sports car could be. Icon Definition 4 A representation of sacred events or something religious Now I'm going to end with this. Driving one of these cars is indeed a religious experience and like the spiritual, it makes you laugh, cry, and just feel. 930 owners treat their cars with a sacred reverence that borders on adoration. It was the car to have and Road & Track said that the 930 was The car every Porsche fanatic would mortgage his soul to Stuttgart to own. The 930 is all four definitions of the word icon, and after 45 plus years from its release, continues to show what iconic really means. Thanks for listening. Please share and tell your friends, family, and fellow Porsche lover. I also want to hear from you. I'm collecting Porsche stories for future podcasts and would love to hear how your love affair with Porsche began you can email me at will at Neversubstituted.com. support our podcast by going to Neversubstituted.com and check out our shop links and some very cool stuff. Plus a preview of next week's show special. Thanks to Dennis Schrader photography in Austin, Texas. You can see some amazing automotive prints and artwork at fastlanephotoworks.com. Also a lot of information from this podcast is from Porsche. Excellence was expected by Carl Lundvickson. I'm Will Beach. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope to see you again soon.